Hello and welcome to the Coon Hunting University podcast. This is your host, Tyler Duncan. And like always, class is in session. So before we get started today, I'd like to say that I am extremely proud to announce that the Coon Hunting University podcast has reached a partnership with Superior Light Company. All listeners will receive a 5% discount at checkout on superiorlights at nighthunters.com when you use promo code CHUPODCAST, all one word and capitalized. So that's, again, that is CHUPODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. I have a link in the description in the box below. I personally want it a company that prides itself on quality and craftsmanship such as Superior Lights. And I also didn't want just a deal to where a company pays me and I have ads on here. I wanted something that was going to give back to the listener. That is why I think this is the greatest deal for everyone. By having that promo code and that discount code, it's better for everyone. It helps me out and it helps the listeners out. And that's really what I wanted. I wanted something that would help the listeners and it wouldn't make it so monotonous to be able to hear it. You know, you're actually getting something out of it as well. It's not just me sitting here talking about a company. You know, you're getting something out of it. You're getting an exclusive discount code on an extremely high quality product. All this just happened last night. On September 29th. So I'm sitting in here and I'm recording it right now. So with all this being said, we're going ahead and move on. Thank you for all the support to all my listeners. Thank you so much. Y'all are the reason that this podcast is at the level it's at now. And I cannot thank y'all enough. Hey, y'all. So today I'm joined by Mr. Wild Willie again. And we're going to be doing this a little different. We're going to be acting as if I'm calling Mr. Willie as a guy that's having all these issues with my dog on the treeing side of things. And Mr. Willie's going to cover his Stay Put 101 system and also a tactic that he coined called a baited cage, which is the contrast of using a cage cone to train a dog. If you like what you're hearing here from Mr. Willie, I do encourage you to go to wildwilliesway.com and purchase a book from him. Mr. Willie is actually running a special right now on his website. He has a promo code for 20% off. It is Tree Manners. That is two words, T-R-E-E-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. You can also find that promo code and the link to the website in the description box below this because he's coming on here. He's sharing all of this knowledge, and I can tell you we've put in a lot of time recording because we have a lot more stuff to come after this, right? So that's one way that you can show your support, and it's great to be able to listen to him on this podcast. But if you're listening to him on this podcast and you have the book to reference, I believe that's a great combination. I own the book. I've owned it for over a year now, and I've referenced it multiple times, along with talking with him. He's a great guy. We should really support him if you like what he's doing for the podcast. No, he's not paying me to be on these ads, but I'm also not paying him to be on this podcast. And I mean, we've got some hours wrapped up in this, I promise. So... I'm asking you, if you do like what he's doing, please go over there and at least consider getting a book from him. That way you can have both of these tools in your bag to become better trainers. I'm not saying you have to or anything like that, but I would encourage you to. So like always, Mr. Willie's going to be joining us virtually. Let's go on ahead, get him online. Without further ado, Mr. Wild Willie, ladies and gentlemen.
Hey, Mr. Willie, how's it going? Good to have you back on here. Hey, Tyler. It's nice to be back on. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, man. So I have a few questions for you, if you don't mind. No, that's fine. All right. So I'm calling you as a person. You know, I have a few issues going on with the young dog that I'm hunting. My dog's a little loose on the tree, and he's also slow to tree, you know, real hesitant. Why is he doing that, and how do I fix it? Well, there's a lot of reasons, Tyler, why young dogs are slow to tree, and there's a lot of reasons why dogs are loose on the tree. It really depends on the individual situation, but I've got simple ways to get results with all of them. And it has the fail-safes built in. So this way, you're actually repairing any of the other problems a dog might have at the tree or insecurities or lack of confidence or belief. At the same time, you're rehabilitating that dog to get up there and nail that wood because that's what we have to have. See, I believe the best dog in this world is three things, just three. He finds it, he tells you it's there, and he stays. So I work my young dogs in that order. Find it, tell me it's there and stay. Now, when it comes, Tyler, when it comes to why dogs are loose on a tree, it's such a broad spectrum, it'll blow your mind. It's as easy as a young dog doesn't have confidence to tree yet, to a young dog isn't comfortable treeing with the other dogs on a tree, so he won't tree yet. It isn't that he can't smell it or he doesn't believe the other dogs don't have it. If he can tree himself and he won't tree with the other dogs, it's just simply the other dogs. It's always the simplest problem. It's just so hard to think of common sense. So if in that case, he's not comfortable with those other dogs, well, we just work him on a tree with other dogs right in their backyard. As soon as he's comfortable, he'll get on there. So in every case, we need to know a little bit of the history, but everybody does know the history. That's why I invented my cure to rehabilitate them all. So this way it takes out insecurities like a coyote coming in, tearing up a dog at the tree. Now the dog will tree, but as soon as he hears any noise, he'll just jump around it in a circle, looking, 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 seeing what's coming in. Now it's only me and my feet, but he doesn't know it's a coyote. A lot of coon hounds are so smart, they can learn stuff one time and it'll follow through their entire life. Cain was an English dog that absolutely went through this. This is the issues he had. And it was hard for me to discover. I didn't discover why and what had happened to him about the coyote until after I'd rehabilitated him. But rehabilitating and then letting him see and watching that anytime another dog moved rapidly allowed me to ask the owner a question. Hey, did you ever suspect coyotes come in on Kane? Well, well, yes. Wait a second. That's when he started doing this. Rehabilitation was the same. The cause can be extraordinarily different from giving a dog too many coon. If you just shoot every coon that that dog gets, and I've warned young guys about this so many times with some amazing dogs that I've seen put down, and that burns me because I give advice free. For 20 years, this way, the best dogs can be the best. And if I'm saying something, I don't waste people's time. It may sound like it's a little bit more work, but it's not. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it that way. But literally, 
them boys was giving that young dog every coon. And I told them, when you go to the hunt and you don't give him no more, he's going to leave trees. It's a relationship. He's got to learn to stay for you, not just for the meat. That's how you get the dog. And the dog does it all. And that's what I focus towards. Every dog I have, I want to be the dog. They might not all make it, but I can improve all of them extraordinarily through just communication. I've seen such a wide variety of reasons that dogs don't tree. Reason why a dog doesn't stay on a tree. It's also intelligence. The smartest dogs are the hardest to train and finish because they know what they can get away with. A lot of times, the easiest way is prevention. So I take every one of my dogs through Stay Put 101 as prevention and a way to see how they're bred in. Because this is how you tell there's a dog at 10. You let them bark. You let them get treed. You let them get into it. 30 seconds to a minute. Make sure it's not too hot. We take off running. We stop just as soon as that dog started coming our way. He'll turn around and look back and bark. And then the next time you go to do this, you'll run away from the tree or take three steps really quick. Stop, turn around. And that dog will not only turn around and look, but he'll be barking and dragging, pulling, trying to get back to that tree. And then the next time you do it, he'll drag you back to that tree because he himself wants it. That's the one marrying side of training dogs to perfection, getting them to what the same thing you want them to do, only even more than you want it. And with that, anything dog is possible. So here is how the scale looks. So that way you can see into your dog. Young, when they first start treeing, I do my stay put 101 and I pull them off the tree. If I walk that young dog three, four steps, stop and he doesn't even care to look back, that's a one on the scale of one to 10 on stay put tree. So a one, when you stop, a one will just turn around and look. He won't even try to bark or pull to go back. And then you can walk him off and he's done. Here is the difference in that scale to a 10. A 10, when you pull him away swiftly and stop, and it doesn't matter if it's an 11-year-old dog or an 8-month-old puppy. This allows us to look into the genetics of stay put because we're actually looking into the mind of his want. And that's what genetics laid there naturally. All right. Now, a 10, when you pull it away and stop, a 10 is going to turn around. He's going to look, he's going to drag, he's going to fight, he's going to bark. He's going to do everything in his power to get back to that tree. And when you drag him away farther, if you stop again, he's going to still try to get back to that tree. And if you drag him away farther, he's still going to stop and try to get to, to that tree. That's a 10. An 11 won't quit thinking about it, even if you bring him in your house an hour later. Now, just because a dog is bred that well to stay doesn't mean that you can't have a recut. Absolutely not. It means that dog needs to know when that tree's done. So my dog won't tree as far as he'll run a track. Seems like he goes up on a tree, locates, and then just leaves, goes, finds, strikes another track. 
why is he doing that and how do I fix it? Well, the why is a really important question. A lot of people have either been just blessed with the blood that they bought and the bloodlines that they hunt and or they've just got lucky, like the right situation where the dog's actually seen a coon wrap the tree. But other than extremely well-bred dogs, treeing is unnatural to most. And this is absolutely a fact that may not be widespreadly known or widespread known. Um, most dogs are not going to tree at first because their whole world is on the ground. They don't think up in any way whatsoever, except for tree hounds. Okay. The better lines you get in tree hounds, the better and broader and open, more open of a mind that hound has. This is the same reason why I found such intelligence in them is literally the act of treeing. Now, most young dogs, okay, they're just going to track what their nose smells. So they're going to look for a track. And when it goes to the tree, if they don't think of, well, they're just going to go find another track. Okay. Many of your dogs that you start specifically, they don't even open up on a track at first. But then when they do, they really don't want to tree a whole bunch. This is why so many people all across the United States use cage coon and release coon and work with their dogs on the tree. Okay. It's why the rule, once your dog can tree a cage coon, you never show it again. It's because almost everybody does it because it's probably seven to eight out of 10 dogs all have this problem when starting. It's just how fast do they get it? Well, a lot of times that just goes by the natural environment. Did they chance and see one? And these phrases we have for this, you know, you just got to get that right opportunity. We say them every night. Well, we don't have to get that right opportunity and it may never come. If we're hunting in thin coon, these opportunities may be very rare. And then we just go through different dogs. So rather, control your opportunity. Use a cage coon. And this is how you rehabilitate it. Yeah, Tyler. State put 101, like I was saying, that's my pet peeve. So I developed a little thing that I do that allows me to look inside the dog, right into his genetics, and see how state put he is. But if I have a dog that for some reason isn't stay put, I'm going to do it anyways because stay put 101 is my pet peeve. We can't impress friends or win hunts without it. And if we've got any good blood, they're going to treat coon naturally. So stay put 101 is one of the most important things puppy owners need to know. I do this with each and every one of my puppies or coon dogs and I even do it when I'm in the woods until I know my dog is 100% stay put. It's just a little reverse psychology. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to take a young dog that will already bark at a baited cage. And we're going to get him treeing. We're going to let him tree, praise him up to his temperament, let him know that's what we want. And we're going to drift back. 
by drift back mean we're just going to take a step or two back out of that dog's foresight and hold on to the leash. And we're going to stand there and let him treat for about 30 seconds. And then we're just going to take off swiftly and take three or four steps until that dog starts to come with us. When he comes with us, we're going to stop. The last thing that was on his mind is that coon in that tree. So he's going to turn around and look. As soon as he does, we're going to take him out of there and just get him out of there. Now, the last thing he knew was there was a coon in that tree and he wanted to go to it. We made him stop, but we didn't scold him or anything. Now, the next time later in that day or the next day that I do this or in the woods under a coon before I give it to them, I'm literally going to do this. I'm going to let him tree. I'm going to praise him up. I'm going to drift back. I'm not going to say a word. So that way he's not thinking of anything except for that coon in a tree. I'm going to pull him off of it real quick and I'm going to stop. He's going to bark, look, and drag to go back if you do this a few times. Then after that, if I have a dog that's still a little bit light around the tree as I'm trying to get into him, then I might even do the same thing but double it. And by double it, I mean after you stop, he's looking, barking, wanting to go back, take off again. Three, four steps just till he start to come with you. Stop and let him look at it again. This will tighten a young dog up at the tree for sure. Plenty enough so that way you can get to the dog dog's tree and make sure you see what he's got, which can save months in starting a young dog. We have to have stay put 101. And then I take stay put way farther, all the way to where if my dog's treating a herd, treeing and a herd of cattle comes through, he'll die right there. I don't want him never to, but if my dog's treed, it's my job to get to him. He better stay unless I call him. And if I call him, he can come. But other than that, you've got to have stay put in this game. So these are things that we need to know and focus. They're more important than having the puppy because having the puppy and having to put it down because we didn't know something or didn't do nothing is the trend today in the coon hunting world. And that's not fair to the most intelligent animals on the face of this earth. So you were talking about how you use a cage coon right there, but I've also heard you talk about other tactics that you use and use the term a baited cage. Could you please explain that to the listeners? Yeah, that's a good question, Tyler. Remember how I was talking about using a cage coon, but I said the scent? I like to use natural scents. That's because the scent is more important. Um, in a lot of cases, you can't do things unless you can control the environment. So you need a baited cage to control the environment, but you don't necessarily have to use a caged coon or animal. Rather, you need high-quality scent of it. Treehounds are scent-oriented, so their belief system is deeper in that real natural scent. So what I do is, is I take a hide, and I take a football, and I'll take an electronic squalor even and stick in there. I'll lace it up, and then I apply good, high-quality coon scent to it. And I can use it for any situation I need. There's two good rules to this. Number one, again, a good high quality coon scent, because those good scents can even fool granite champions. I've seen it with my own eyes. And you never let them get a hold of it. 
if they get a hold of it and they know it's fake, you'll never get them into it again. But I use a beta caged in baited or I call it scented cage in my book. And yeah, then just like the turtle man says, you get live action out of your dog. You probably wouldn't want that dog getting a hold of that thing anyway. I'd probably tear it up. <laughs> yeah, you probably would. <laughs> a couple of other common issues, and I believe what you just covered will cover those. So let's say my dog will sometimes he'll lock down on a tree, and when I head into him, he'll leave the tree, you know, as far as he starts the tree but then leaves. And when I go to that area he was in, I'll see the coon. Well, uh, Tyler. Um, just to recap on that, that is a very, very important question. Dogs think differently than us. They think more simple, way more simple. It takes the average human being 250,000 molecules per square inch to identify any given scent. It takes the average dog of all breeds six. So hot nose, cold nose has the ability to smell a wide range. It's just whether or not it excites them or not. Okay. Now, Think of a, a coon dog as Spider-Man, all right? We think when that young dog's in there on that coon and 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 he just wants to leave that tree, right? You know, well, he's just losing focus in the coon. Well, he's just looking, losing focus in the coon. So he just won't lock down, won't commit to it, which we did cover some insecurities and stuff. But there's a man-made issue with this that when everybody knows, your dogs will start earlier in life. Okay, I call it the lull, okay? The lull over the kill, all right? Now, what happens many times when we're first starting a young dog, okay, or any dog hasn't been hunted for a while, we go, we take the dog, he does a good job. When we do get them to the tree, sometimes just the very first time, or in a first few refresher sessions, they get to tree, we get to them. We knock the game out, okay? We knock the game out, and then they get to do their thing. They kill the game. And then right after, we don't want them to mess with it anymore. And we just think we're breaking them from molesting it, okay? So we'll scold the dog, switch, leave it alone, drop, dead, 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 okay? Well, there's a reason why that young dog's wanting to play with it. He's wanting to memorize it. He's wanting to lull over it. A dog stands over what they say is theirs. So if we start disciplining our dog just to leave the coon alone, we're actually teaching the dog not to get the coon beside us. He's actually learning that master's going to scold me if I tree. Now, I know this may sound a little off, but it happens all the time. And I rehabilitate dogs with this, thousands of them, on a simple fact of the matter of, let your dog kill the coon. Let him lull over it. Let him let it know, know it's dead itself. Let him pant over the coon and cool down. All right? Now, don't discipline your dog for treeing until the dog's made 15 trees. These are the things that most generally cause the dog not to lock down. It's not so much the dog, it's what the person's done with the dog or what's happened with the dog in the environment that causes him not to lock down confidently, okay? I'll give you one. Guy called me. His dog started jacking a tree, okay? Now, this is a dog that trees, 
six, seven-year-old female. She's a night champion. But she started jacking a tree all of a sudden because a coon was set too low and she was jumping up trying to get it. They learn fast. So after this, she's jacking every single tree. Okay? Now he goes in and he uses a broom to scold her from jacking a tree. Now he's got all sorts of other problems. Well, now she still jacks the tree, but just like your question, Tyler, every time he's on the way in, she leaves. And he's just thinking that this is a genetic issue that this dog has, but man, she's so good everywhere else. I got to work with it. She's my baby. And that was her name. She was his baby, but he shouldn't have been hitting her with a broom on a tree. She was leaving the trees just because she didn't want discipline. That's how smart she was. These dogs understand and can think. They have more mental memory, so they can learn one and done, okay? So if we're trying to break a dog from something, we have to think first, what's the dog going to think about it? And we have to make sure that at first, everything's positive on the tree. If they're treeing off game, don't scold them. Don't whip them for off game. They don't even know they're not supposed to. Make sure that you just let them do nothing. Just walk them away. But when they do tree a coon or the bear or mountain lion, or it's the same for all tree dogs, all hunt dogs, okay? When they're on what you want, praise them up for it some way, somehow. Let them know they're right and don't do anything with the rest. And that's pre-locking down because the dog never has an issue with not locking down. And then between those two things, yeah, you'll get the result. All right. So my dog won't hold pressure at the tree. How do I fix it? One is, is confidence. So the number one way to get your dog to independently lock down on a tree is to hunt it by itself. This is the only way and what everybody that's competition hunting had to learn and go through themselves. There's different ways to do it. We can drop one dog off at one tree, another dog off at another wood so we can hunt together, but you got to hunt these dogs by themselves. Hunting them by themselves makes them get all the confidence from the start of the track to the finish of the tree by themselves. That confidence is what builds independency to lock down on the other tree, on their tree, while other dogs are tree and tracking or doing whatever. It's the belief in themselves. And you need to hunt a dog by itself to get that belief. And then I have many, many other ways for different individual dogs. But number one is hunting that dog by itself. A good recipe is 80 to 90% of the time that dog needs to be hunted by itself until he's broke. 10 to 20% of time you want to mimic your cast or hunt with other dogs. So that way you can see if he has any issues with the other dogs and you don't get surprised when you hunt with your buddies or you go to a hunt and competition hunt. So if a dog's already pulling to another dog, I'm hunting by itself. Is there any way to accelerate that as far as even if I'm hunting it by itself? Because, you know, that that can be a long process in itself as well, especially with the older dog that's doing this. Yes, there is, Tyler. I call it split tree training. And what I'm doing is, is I'm embracing 
that dog's belief in itself. So it still starts by hunting that dog by itself. And then I haven't got that stuff written up yet. So that's upcoming production. I have another issue. My dog's got a lot of issues, if you can't tell, right, everybody? So my dog's jacking the tree. Why is he doing that, and how do I fix it? I know that you were talking about earlier how the guy corrected his English dog with the broom, and it actually messed her up worse. So how yeah. do we do it safely? Well, see, that, that's safely is smartly, and smartly saves us time, and it saves us more so headaches, and then that there saves us life of our favorite hunting dogs that's now developed a problem. But um, this is what we do. We pull it up. So we don't beat it. We don't switch it. We don't scold it. We don't do anything except for pull the dog higher up in the air. Now, this is something that I'm very proud of. My most prized invention is off-game breaking. But this is something that is so amazing, it'll blow your guys' mind. And I do it all the time. I call it Jack in the Tree 101. Okay? What we do is, when our young dog's in the woods, if they first start jacking the tree, we hook the leash to them. And we stand there and observe. Don't discipline yet. Okay? Because it's way easier than all that. He's wanting to jump up the tree. All right? Now, what you're going to do is, is you're literally, when he jumps, you're going to use your leash and his collar and pull him up higher in the air than he expected to go and let him come right back down. When he jumps again, you're going to pull him up higher than the air than he expected to go using his weight and his momentum. And you're going to let him come back down. Every time my dog jumps, I also say at. A-G-H-T pronounced in a growly fashion. That is tonal language. And dogs understand that way more clearly than just saying no or switching or shocking. They don't even understand that stuff at first until it's done for a long time. So literally, you pull him up higher than a go and say at. Now, after two or three times, usually after the fourth time, the dog will turn and look at you in the eye because dogs look at you for problem-solving information. That's the difference between dogs and wolves. But they'll look at you right in the eye. They're asking you, well, what do you want? If you don't want me jumping up, what do you want? So now we're going to teach them. I praise them up. Get on that tree. Talk to it. And I praise them up until they jump. As soon as they jump, I pull them up higher and say, ah, and let them sit back down again. Then I talk him in a tree and good boy, talk to it. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Whatever I got to do to get that dog to jump again, right? So as he jumps, I pull him up higher and I scold him verbally. Ah, 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 and let him get back down. Then I praise him up, but I praise him up lighter. Now what's happened is he has an understanding. He gets praised for treeing, but he's getting disciplined for jumping in and within the same session. Now the reverse psychology we're in planning literally works with the little hairs that grow on their feet. Dogs are grounded. They are literally connected to this earth. This is also one reason why many of them don't tree. It's why. It's the root of the reason why their whole world's on the ground. But we're going to use this. We're going to use the little hairs on their feet and the disconnect of it. Dogs do not like being off the ground more so than the power of their feet can spring them. It's like a putting a fish out of water. So when that dog jumps and you pull him up higher than he's expected to go, it is a very uncomfortable, disorienting feeling to the dog without doing anything else. They already naturally have this feeling. 
and it's working on reverse psychology. He's wanting to jump and we're pulling him farther. So if we pull him higher and he's wanting to jump, he won't want to. It works just like this. This is the best way I can explain what's going on in a dog's mind. We work dogs on a bench. If that dog leans back too far, we can't show him. So we got a little trick. We just pull tension on the dog's tail until his muscles tighten up and he's resisting, wanting to go back to forward. And then when he's resistant enough, we let go. And he springs forward. And now he's standing perfectly. Okay. Now, if he doesn't do it the first day, we do it a couple days in a row. And then he's got it. This is the same thing that we're doing. The dog's tail, right, is putting tension and he's having to pull against it. He's wanting to lean forward. When we're pulling tension against his tail, he's wanting to lean forward inside his own mind. That's the same thing that goes on with tree jacking. When he's jumping and we pull him up farther forward, he doesn't want to jump us again. He wants to stay at the base. Now we're going to use that in that manner so he understands he's not allowed either, along with that reverse psychology technique that gets him want married. So he himself does not want to jump up the tree either. And then I also take it farther. So in my book, you can find how to break running the tree because that's just simply the next step. If a dog doesn't back up, he can't run and launch himself up the tree. So that's the trigger. Okay. If you eliminate him from backing up, he can't run and jump. And then the next step after that is break and climb in a tree. So that way your dog doesn't fall out of the tree and have to get rushed to the hospital for a broken rib and almost die like my Brussel did. So when it happened, I invented it. Now everybody can use this. Jack in a tree, run in a tree, and climb in a tree. Everything that first book does is, is called tree manners. It removes the minus and all the headaches with simple, easy to use, common sense stuff just like this. And I am absolutely ecstatic that I figured that out. Not one person in the history of tree hounds has ever figured that out. It's too easy. It's too hard for us to think that simple. If your dog jumps, pull them up. You don't have to do anything else. And we're not torturing a dog. We're not disciplining a dog. We're not choking a dog. We're not hanging a dog. We're doing it gentle. We're just pulling them up a little bit higher. If your dog's too big, pack a step stool. And that's how I do it. And then, Tyler, I take all this stuff way farther. You can check out the book if that doesn't get you a 100% result. But I will tell you that I'm breaking tree jacking right now with my book and with posts on UKC. I broke tree jacking all over the United States. All over the United States with dogs that are not predeposition to throw tree jackers in their puppies. Breaking tree jacking actually allows you to see what your dog has. If he's just a tree jacker and it's genetic and he's going to put it in his puppies, how can we tell just how bad it is if we can't break it? Now we can. We can break it, understand it, and make wiser breezing decisions about it. great interview and i do thank mr william for allowing me to conduct it so if you like what you heard here find us on facebook at coon hunting you and also 
go to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review. It really helps us out. And until next time, y'all have a wonderful day. Bye.